William Shakespeare wrote many years ago that all of life is a stage and all the men and women are merely players. Well, it is true that life is a stage. It is true that we are performing. But how we perform on this stage called life will depend largely on who our audience is. Whether we seek the applause of people or the approval of heaven, whether we try to please uh, other men or we seek to please God. Now, of course, tonight when we talk about, to some degree, it is important to please other people. We should be concerned about what other people think uh, about us to some degree. Our reputations do matter. Our, uh, Our relationships with other people do matter. And therefore, we need to have a healthy balance and a healthy concern. In fact, the person who doesn't care at all about what other people think is a sociopath or a narcissist. And I suppose that none of us want to be one of those. However, the danger arises when our desire to please people is stronger than our desire and our motivation to please God. We, uh, we have a problem when we seek to please and seek the applause of men over the approval and the pleasure of Now in John chapter 12, we read of this encounter, this detail concerning uh, many Jews during the life of Jesus. And the Bible says that, of course, Jesus, upon working many miracles and giving great masterful teaching, that it produced faith in the hearts of men. In fact, many, even among the rulers, believed in Him. Jesus was impressive. They could not deny the miracles and the power of the Son of God. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him. The reason was because they were afraid. They were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. Why? Because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Think about this. These people had faith in Jesus Christ, but that's as far as they did not acknowledge Him, they did not confess Him, and they were not allowing other people to know what they believed about Him because they were afraid of what other people might do to them. And they wanted approval, they wanted their applause and their praise. Now, this pressure to please men can still cause us from what is right and to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. This pressure to please other people is so intense, it can be very destructive, it can be very damaging, even damning to our souls. And thus tonight, there are three things I want to talk about and then the lesson will be yours. The first is the temptation that we all face regarding this pressure. Then I want to talk about the trap that we must all avoid. And then I want to talk about the treatment when we have this disease to please. The first thing we want to consider is the temptation that we all face. And there are two aspects to this. 
First, there is the temptation to do what is wrong in order to please people. We are tempted to dishonor God in order that we might please those around us. And we see that all throughout. Now, when we talk about this pressure to do wrong, to please people, when we talk to our kids, and there are many young people here, I'm so thrilled for that. I'm thankful for that. I'm looking forward to the next five days of getting to know you better and encouraging you, uh, I hope, as you are encouraging me just by your commitment and your desire to be here and to serve God. But when we talk about this pressure, when we apply it to young people, we call it peer pressure. We talk about those people in school that will try to get you wrong in order to fit in. But you know, that's not just uh, applicable to young people. It is something that all uh, men and women face. In fact, when we look in the Word of God, we see the mightiest of men succumbing to this pressure. The Bible speaks of great tragedies and transgressions resulting from men who gave in to this pressure to please. In the Old Testament, there was King Saul, the first king of Israel. God told him to go and utterly destroy the Amalekites. He disobeyed God, and he did so under the guise that the people told me or the did me to make the best sacrifices so that they could offer them to God. And that's when Samuel said to obey is better than sacrifice. What was his sin? What was the, the root of his sin? It was this pressure to please We also see it in um, King Herod, really described as a man who was uh, 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 just into entertainment and pleasure and uh, was loving the fact that Jesus was sent to him because he wanted to see some miracle that he had heard about. But prior to that, we understand John the baptizer was arrested by Herod and he, um, and he uh, rebuked Herod for the marriage that he had and Herod had him put in prison. He had him put to death initially because uh, he liked John. But then he had, a, he had a birthday party and he got drunk and his friends got drunk and uh, he had uh, his stepdaughter dancing in front of him. And he said, you give me whatever, or you tell me uh, whatever you want, and I'll give, give it to you. And she asked for the head of John the Baptist. Why would he do that? Why would he have this prophet whom he feared and whom he respected somewhat put to death? Because he had in front of his drunken friends. The pressure to please. And then we see even among the, own, the, the, the very apostles of Jesus Christ, the apostle Peter, with great courage and conviction, made a vow that others may deny you and others may forsake you, but I will not with you, Lord. He said that he would, he would suffer with Jesus and he would defend Jesus if needed, if needed. And yet, even after he pulled the sword and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest, and Jesus was arrested... And Peter followed at a distance. The Bible says that it was in that moment as he surrounded himself by the enemies of the Lord that he denied Jesus three times. How could a man go from having such conviction to such cowardice? 
pressure to please, even the pressure to please strangers was very real. People that Peter had never met before, maybe never would see again, and yet he denied the very Lord that he so readily had defended. And then we see when Jesus was arrested and ultimately put on trial, Pontius Pilate, that cruel and cold Roman governor, he had Jesus crucified, even though he said, I find no fault in him, because the Bible says, in order to gratify the crowd, he released Barabbas and he crucified Christ. So this temptation to please is so intense and it is real and no one is immune to it. No one is untouched by it. It is rooted in a natural, I suppose, normal desire to be liked and to be loved, to be accepted and approved. Beginning even as children when we hear a child say, watch me mommy or look at me daddy, we like that we like that approval. We, we hunger for that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's normal. That's natural. But it continues on even in the teenage years, especially, I suppose, in the teenage years. Uh, teenagers crave popularity more than anything else. Uh, teenagers are so susceptible to what other people think of them and what other people are saying about them. And so social media is one of the great sources of depression and discouragement because everybody is always concerned of being left out or what other people are doing or what other people are saying about them. And it can be a very devastating and very damaging uh, thing in the life of a teenager. I told uh, uh, my kids one time, uh, don't spend all your time being so concerned about what other people think of you. You might be surprised how little they do. And that's the way we are as adults even. We, are, we sit around and we think that everybody's watching us, everybody's looking at us, everybody's uh, talking about us. And, and you know, really, that's not the case. And yet we conform. Even as adults, we worry about what other people think. And we try to keep up appearances as we keep up with the Joneses. And if you're a leader in the church, you will feel the pressure to please. You will be tempted to conform and to compromise in areas that you have no right to. In fact, many false doctrines have been embraced out of a fear to offend or out of a love to appease. Now, I would venture to say, in fact, every innovation that has been introduced into the work and the worship of the church whether it's individual cups or instrumental music or what have you, it is not introduced in order to please God, but to please men. Now this appeal for approval is not based upon what people need, but rather what they want. And whole congregations can be swayed by this pressure to please. Even preachers, may I say, especially preachers, can be uh, swayed by this pressure to fit in and please what others are wanting and what others are feeling and what others are hoping for us to give them. And therefore, uh, we see far too often uh, what is preached and how it is preached. It is often determined by itching ears in the pews and willing pulpits that are too eager to oblige. Jesus said, though, 
Woe to them, or woe to you, when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. It's not probably a good thing when everybody says something good about you. <laughs> Jesus said, don't let it be that false prophets. That's the reputation that they had because they give what people need and they didn't give what they needed. God commanded throughout the Old Testament and it is echoed in the New. Don't be willing to follow a crowd to do evil. Don't follow them. Because as Jesus said in Luke 6 and verse uh, uh, 46, or in Matthew chapter uh, 7 rather, he said that wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there go, there will be thereat. So there is this temptation that we all face to do evil in order to impress people. But then there's the flip side of this. And that is the temptation to do what is right in order to look good. And Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 6 when he said that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you the hypocrites synagogues and in the streets that they may have the glory from men assuredly I say to you they have their reward what is the reward the clapping the applause the approval the the thanks and the praise of men Jesus said don't be like that and therefore the warning that he gives us is not against doing evil but about doing good simply to be noticed now, when you read Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6, it seems like, at first, Jesus is saying something that is contradictory. Uh, in fact, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. But in Matthew 6, verse 1, he says, Don't do your good deeds to be seen by them. In one place, he says, let them see. In another place, he says, don't let them see. What's the difference? Well, Matthew chapter 5, talking about doing what you do to glorify God. In Matthew 6, he's talking about doing what you do to glorify yourself, to make yourself look better. And to make make attention that you give to other people. And so Jesus says, don't do that. Don't be like the hypocrite. Now, what does the hypocrite do? No, a hypocrite is a man who wears a mask. He's an actor on a stage. Uh, what do they do? Now, these religious hypocrites were those that when they prayed, they made sure they got on the street corner so everybody could see. When they gave, they sounded the trumpet so everyone would know. Even when they fasted, they disfigured their faces and made themselves look pitiful so everyone would think, oh, what a holy man, what a sacrifice he's making. And Jesus, don't do that. Be careful that you're not just exercising your faith to impress other people because it is so tempting to do what is right for the wrong reason. And if you do, that's your reward. One man said, I know I'm supposed to be humble, but what if nobody notices? We like it when people notice. 
And humility is one of those slippery things. The moment you think you, you, you got it, you lost it. It's like the man who wanted to, uh, he, he was going to uh, receive a, an award at work for being the most humble worker, and then they took it away from him because he accepted it. Well, Jesus said, put down the trumpet. Don't let, don't let your good deeds be done simply to be noticed by men. In fact, one man said, as I think correctly, that uh, if you toot your own horn, you inevitably get the tune too high. So put it down. Being too eager to impress other people can lead to deception, dishonesty, and bizarre behavior. I read about a young man, a young executive, who was given a lapel pin with the company logo on it by the president of the company. And um, after a couple of weeks, he passed the president in the hallway at work, and uh, he, he uh, didn't have his lapel pin on. And the president asked him about, where's your, your pin? And the man, eager to impress and to, to please his boss, he looked down at it, and he said, oh, I must have left it on my pajamas. Bizarre, strange, eager to impress. Now this desire to impress can cause us to pretend that we're something when we're really not. And what do we call that? But hypocrites. Jesus said, but all their works be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad. See phylacteries today, but in the first century a phylactery those uh, leather boxes that the Jews had with rolled up parchment with scripture writ imprinted upon it, usually upon their forehead and uh, on their forearm. They literalized that uh, interpretation of the scripture and they thought by wearing these things, uh, they were to appear before others as more religious and devout and holy than they were. And uh, lo and behold, they see a man up there, and he had supersized his phylactery. And Jesus, they make it, they make it bigger than the others. They're out trying to outdo one another. They love the best places at feast and the best seats in the uh, greeting in the marketplaces, and to be called rabbi, rabbi. They weren't trying to please God; they were trying to please. Men, it was all outward. It was an outward show, and there was nothing inside. Now, I, I tell a story about a, one time when I went to the dentist, and I'm always careful when I say this because I, I, I want to let you know that I've been to the dentist more than this, just this one time. But one time when I went to, to get my teeth cleaned, I was talking to the dental hygienist, and I was making small talk at first before she opened my mouth and uh, I couldn't talk at all. But I said to her, I said, I bet you get to see all manner of clean come through here. And she said, oh, yes. And she began to tell me different examples. She said, let me tell you, it can get pretty bad. But you know what's really noticeable, she said, are the women uh, there will be women that will come through here. They have the, the nicest dresses on. They will have their makeup on. They will have their hair done. It's obvious that they got ready to come to the dentist. But then when they sit in my chair, they open their mouths, and it's obvious that they hadn't brushed their teeth in weeks. And I thought, 
I'm sorry I ask. <laughs> but then I also thought of something Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you like whitewashed tombs, like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inward, inside are full of dead men's bones and are, are full of uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear to me, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus goes on to say, blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and the that the outside clean also. Not saying or suggesting that or the outside of the cup. That's not at all what he is saying. But he is saying that we dare not neglect the inside and just focus on the outside. If that's all we focus on, then we are blind, we are hypocrites, and we are not actually doing what we need to be doing. Let me ask you, what bothers you more? Worship with your hair out of place or your heart unprepared? What bothers you more going 10 days without somebody paying you a compliment or you going 10 days without you contemplating God? What bothers you more? A spot on your shirt, a stain in your, on your dress, or a sin in your heart? Often we're so worried about what other people think of us that we fail to see and remember what God already knows about us. And we have to take off the facade and the mask and get real. And we have to understand that if we seek to please people, then our religion is not what it ought to be. Even if we're doing what is right for the wrong reason. And so, that's something that we all face, temptations that we must all be aware of. Because there is a trap. The trap we must all avoid. And here it is, John, or Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare. You know what a snare is? It's a, it's a trap. That's what, that's what he's saying. Other people think that you're afraid of doing what It's a trap for you. It's a trap. Now why? Why is it a trap? Well, it's because you can't, you can't please everybody. If there was ever a person to live on the face of this earth who could have pleased everybody, who would it have been? It would have been the perfect Son of God, the sinless Lamb of God. And yet, Isaiah, 600 years before Jesus was born, prophesied of his popularity, his approval rating. He said he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. We despised him. We Here, Jesus Christ, who was perfect, was rejected. And he said everything right. He did everything right. And he couldn't please everybody. On the last week of his life, they laughed and they shouted the accolades and they waved the palm branches and they shouted, Blessed is the king that cometh. But by the end of the very same week, they were, they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. How fickle are people. They will praise you one minute, they will condemn you the next. And that's why we shouldn't be so concerned about pleasing people, because people are fickle. You can't please everybody, and you shouldn't really waste your time or energy 
trying. Here's another reason it's a trap, is because the majority opinion is usually wrong. It's seldom right. We see this over and over again in biblical history. We see uh, where uh, in the days of Noah, only eight souls were saved by water. You look at the days of Elijah. You look at the days of Jesus. He had thousands of people following him. And the very next day, they were all gone. All gone. And yet Jesus would say, don't follow the masses because many will go towards the, the way of destruction, Matthew 7, 13. Don't allow the masses to manipulate you into following them on the road to hell. Here's the paradox of popularity. And that is the world sends us the message that we need to be different, especially to our young people. You need to be nonconformist. And you know what they do? You know what the message is? You need to be different. You need to be your own person and let us tell you how. You need to be a nonconformist, and when you do, you know what you end up doing? Conforming to everybody else. It's exactly what you do. You want to be different? You really want to stand out? You really want to be uh, independent from those in the world? Then you live a godly, you live a moral life, a pure life. You will be different. And if you're devoted to live a life that is molded into the image of Jesus Christ, that is different. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now that leads us to our final point tonight. That is the treatment that we must all apply. How do we fix this disease to please? If we have a weakness, around us we're so fixated upon what other people are thinking and what other people are doing here's the treatment and this is addressed to those very men who had the same mindset that we're talking about he said how can you believe who receive honor from one another you know there were many who could not believe in Jesus because they were paralyzed by their fear and they were handicapped in their hearts because wanting to, to receive honor from other people instead of God. You seek the honor that comes from the only God. Here's the treatment. There is a tension that the Bible speaks of between pleasing the world and pleasing God, and the tension is you can't do both. You can't have it both ways. Listen to some of these passages. Um, you are those who justify yourselves before God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You can't have it both ways. You can't please both. And whenever you understand that, you realize that, it takes a little pressure off. It really helps us. It gives us peace, and it gives us assurance, and it gives us confidence. We also understand from James chapter 4 and verse 4, do do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Here is the tension. Here is the natural opposition. There is a tug of war going on. You can't do both. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. You can't hold the hand of God and the hand of the world at the same time. There is a and there is a tension. We go on. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. Do not love the world, but the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the Father is not in him. You want to know one of the problems, one of the great dangers of the church today that we're facing is that we fall in love with the world and it pulls us away from the Father and and the salvation that he so desperately wants us all to have and enjoy. But why would anyone leave God and go off into the world? Because they love the world more than they do God. You can't, you have to make up your mind what you want. And then the Apostle Paul, in rebutting the accusation that he was a people pleaser, he wrote in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10, do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Paul understood. He understood what their accusations were. He, he, he heard it. They were accusing him of just trying to please men. And he said, if that's the case, why would I be doing what I'm doing? The sacrifices that I'm making and the fact that I am a servant of Jesus Christ. If I was pleasing men, I wouldn't Christ because they are at odds with one another. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Approved to God. Here's the answer. This is the treatment. It is a mind, a decision that we make in our heart that we seek the approval of God because God's approval is all really that matters. It's as simple as that. Easily said, but more difficultly, more difficult to do. A worker who completely dividing the word of truth. Jesus said, "Do not fear." Do not fear uh, those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but are able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. Because even if you went through all of your life and you pleased everybody, and you got to the throne room of God and you didn't please Him, you have been deceived. You have been fooled you've been trapped that's why John would say in 1 John 3 verse 3 do not marvel my brethren if the world hates you it is not surprising but it doesn't matter because in the end all that matters is whether we please God several years ago there, uh, Serena Williams in 2002 now uh, she she won Wimbledon for the first time. Now, I think last year she won it again, and I think it was like the 20th time. But the first time that she ever won Wimbledon, it was interesting because the, she was a newcomer, really, and, and the crowd, she wasn't very popular with the crowd. They were rooting against her. And whenever she would mess up, they would cheer. And whenever she would score, they would boo. But she went on to win... And a reporter was interviewing her after the fact, and he asked her about how the crowd affected her. And he asked, did it bother you that the, uh, the crowd was rooting against you? And she said, no, not really, because I've had people rooting against me all of my life. But then she added, besides... 
I knew, even though everybody in that crowd was cheering against me, my father was in the crowd and he was rooting for me. And I, and I was playing for him. Friends, young people especially, you're going to have people in your life that if you try to live the Christian life, they're going to set a trap for you. They're going to try to trip you up. And when it's just the nature of the beast, really. When you fall, you know what they're going to do? They're going to love it. When you succeed and you remain pure and you remain strong and faithful, they're going to cheer against you. They're going to boo and they're going to, they're going to root against you and hope for your failure. And sometimes they'll help you do it. But it doesn't matter. You should have in your mind and uh, exercise the presence of God and realize that there is a God in heaven who is with you and who is cheering for you even if everybody else in the world is rooting against you. And you should, uh, you should, uh, should, should practice and uh, be interested only in seeking the approval of God. Now, I want to close this evening with a passage that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, where it's dealing with the judgment day. And usually when I think of the judgment, and when we read about the judgment, we, we read about the time when God is going to pronounce judgment and condemnation upon those who disobeyed and rejected Him. And the Bible speaks of that. There's certainly that side. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, I want you to listen to what he says because he says something what, that you don't expect him to say. He says, Therefore, I am until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the of the heart. Ones, here it is. Praise will come from God. Judgment, it is not merely a time of condemnation. It is a time of commendation. God, yes, is going to send those away from Him who He never knew or disobeyed and... and uh, and were unfaithful to him, but to those who sought his approval, and his approval only. It is a time for him to say, well done. It is a praise. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in into the joys of thy Lord. That is what judgment will mean for the one who seeks the approval of God. And that's really all that matters, because in not going to be a judgment of community or family, society. It's going to be a judgment of individuals that we stand before God and each one, each one is God. How is it with you today? Stand before God. You're not going to stand before Him as a family. There's no 
wife that's going to be there to straighten your tie or to make sure everything's all right. There's nobody there that's going to uh, take your defense and stand between you and the judgment seat of Christ. It's just you and Christ and the books. And our Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I don't know exactly what all that means, but I have an idea that it means someday we will stand before God and He's going to look at you. He's going to look at you and He's going to say, let her, let her in. Let Him in. He's one of mine. Well done. Well done. Before all of humanity, openly praising and approving because that's what you did for Him. If you're here this evening and you're not yet a child of God, we invite you to come hearing message that Jesus Christ died. He died in our place. In Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We believe that message. We believe uh, not only in God, but that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And then we, uh, of course, believe what He says in His Word. By hearing, hearing by the Word of God the Word of God communicates to us who Jesus is and we believe that and it spurs us to repent and change our life and to seek the approval of heaven and the first thing we do on changing our mind that results in a change is we acknowledge before men what we believe about Christ. Don't be like the the, the rulers who believed in Jesus, but because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God, they did not confess Him. And that's why in Acts chapter 8, when the Ethiopian was uh, riding along in the chariot and he saw water, he said, what hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe, you may. And he made the greatest confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in Matthew chapter 2, in verse 32, Jesus said, If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father which is in heaven. He's one of mine. She's one of mine. Let him in. Upon, be, upon that confession, he went down into the waters of baptism where he was forgiven of his sins and he received uh, the, the uh, blessing of fellowship with God with, upon his sins being washed away. Mark 16, 16, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. And if we can assist you in your compliance to the will of God, why don't you come seeking the approval of heaven only tonight while we stand and while we sing. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.